Born and raised in Harris County, Sean grew up with outspoken activist parents who marched for civil rights in 1960s and instilled in him a powerful sense of empathy and justice. After his mom tragically succumbed to addiction, Sean stepped up and helped raise his younger siblings. He attended St. Thomas High School and then went on to graduate from the University of Houston with a bachelor's in American history and later a JD from the law from the law center. He served as prosecutor with Harris County District Attorney Office for 11 years, including six years as a division supervisor of the office's vehicular crimes division, where he became a familiar face on local news as he personally responded to hundreds of fatal accidents scenes. Welcome aboard, Sean Thierry. Did I get that name right? It's it's tear. It's just like you cry with just a random Sean tear. With a random E on the end that just made my third grade year real difficult because no one could I can imagine it. that it made it difficult. <laughs> but anyway, man, we we we're honored to have you here. Um look, you are challenging uh what many think is a juggernaut here in Harris County, which is Kim Og. Before I get started, tell me a little bit about yourself and then why this did you decide to challenge your boss? Um, yeah, as, as you already said, born and raised here, uh, grew up um, just, you know, I, I'm a Houstonian. I've, I've lived here basically my whole life. I raised my four beautiful children with my wife here. Um, and more specifically, I have been a prosecutor for a number of years. Um, I love that office. I love its mission that, that is to see that justice is done in every case, which basically means doing the right thing. Um, that's not happening at the office right now. Um, we're, we're losing good experienced prosecutors, people in the system, both victims and defendants are being treated just unfairly simply because I want to get there before I, I want to get there, but I, I want to start this way this morning. One of the reasons I contacted you this morning is because of the article uh, that came out in the uh, Chronicle. And I, I think uh, by Jean Rice and Nina Satija, uh, I think her name is Satija, Nina Satija. Now, being a district attorney is one of the most important jobs in a county, in a state, in the country. You have a lot of power. You can make somebody's life. You can break somebody's life whether you win a case or not, right. that's the power of that office. And as such, whoever has that power has to use it wisely, diligently, honestly, and with the caution that it, that it must have. I that's think right. anybody who reads that article in the Chronicle has to be very concerned that this one district attorney that we have in Harris County has likely stifled a lot because many people fear that if they do something that isn't in line with her beliefs or otherwise would get charged, whether successful or not. Your thoughts? No, that's exactly right. That's exactly what is happening. And the one thing that I would say that I disagree with in, in the way that you just couched that is the same way she thinks of it. It's wins and losses. That is not the way that a real district attorney thinks. A win in a case could just as easily be a dismissal or a diversion as opposed to a conviction. 
she looks at it as wins and losses. And if you do that as a district attorney, because your job is to do the right thing, whatever that may be, if you look at it that way, this is what you have. I think the parallels between what we just saw occur in Austin as the top law enforcement person in the state and the way that he behaved parallels very much to what we have right now as the district attorney here in Harris County. They both utilize that office for political retribution and personal vendettas instead of doing the right thing. And the other thing that that is not couched in that article, and I think that, that Jen did a great job in that article, but the thing that you don't see that, that is really difficult to see unless you've been inside the office is that she uses that same attack method and that same vindictiveness inside the office. And it is running away good experienced prosecutors and it is stifling any of the prosecutors that stay there to do the right thing in cases because just the way that she attacks the county judge and the district court judges and all the other judges and people that she doesn't agree with, she's doing that inside her own office. And that is one of the driving forces of the backlog that we are experiencing right now that's having the deadly effects inside the jail because people cannot get out and they can't have their cases resolved in a timely manner. Now, there was a 64-year-old guy uh, who apparently didn't know he was uh, that he couldn't vote at the time. He hadn't gone through the steps. And she recently took him to the grand jury, wasted right. a lot of the county's money. Would you have done that? Absolutely not. And not only did she do that, the case had already been rejected a year before. She was trying to build it back up and represent a case that had already been looked at and rejected. So she not only investigated something based on the right wing conspiracies, she tried to reinvigorate it a year later, making this gentleman have to fight twice to do one of the most basic rights we have in this country. So earlier, no, I, I mentioned not. earlier, I mentioned that you can uh, cost citizens money and reputation as a DA. You took objection to when I said win or loss, but when I say win and loss, it's not in the same context that you're saying it. I mean, a win as being you were you, you charged successfully, right. which, which is not a win or loss thing. It's whether you were correct in that or not. Now, right. as it stands right now, we have a party, a Republican party, that currently attempts to stifle voting. Yes. Harris County is a county of freedom. Harris County is a county where people feel that they can get things. They don't have to fear going out there and vote. Right. How does it go over that a Democratic DA in a, a calculably blue county would go after someone, she doesn't know how he voted, of course, but he, because of who he is, he was likely some of the same people right-wingers would like to stay home out of yep. fear to vote. What does that tell you about having a DA in Harris County who would be there potentially stifling votes? It, it, it's, I, I think, I think you, you bring it up exactly right to question whether or not that is in fact a Democrat sitting in that in that position of power right now. When Greg Abbott called into question 
the, the integrity of the 22 elections. Within a day, she had invited DPS into Harris County to, to begin those investigations. And this is exactly the, the outcome that the Republicans want. They want to stifle the voices that are in Harris County. You look at the attacks that they have made on Harris County specifically in the legislature by attacking only Harris County, by by condemning what Chris Hollis did as the election administrator. It, it just, it is all part of their game plan and they have a willing participant, if not someone driving the train, sitting in the DA's um, chair right now. Now, uh, let's, so, so we understand now that the current district attorney there are issues with this district attorney with regards to voting and and many other issues let's talk about you what's your position about on 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 bail so i think that in 2023 for us to tie your freedom pre-conviction to a monetary sum at all is antiquated and and ridiculous uh, i i don't care if you are someone who has no money or your Warren Buffett, the questions that need to be asked and decided on by a neutral magistrate is, are you a continuing danger to the society and are you a flight risk? And if the answer is no to those, then I want you to be out in the community being productive until your case can be heard. If when you are out on a whatever bail we are dealing with and you commit a new crime, then you've answered yes to one of those questions in my mind. And then I think the place is that you are held until your case can get resolved. So what we're doing now is not right. We've made steps. There's no question we've made steps in the last eight years, despite the current uh, position holders stance. We have made steps in making bail more equitable, but there are a lot more steps that we need to make Um on both ways, we need to hold people. We, we can't allow people to get out seven or eight times on violent crimes before they're held without bond. But we cannot have these people sitting in jail for two to three years on nonviolent offenses, awaiting a trial that, that quite frankly, is not going to come anytime soon because of the policies in the DA's office right now. That is the fair, humane, empathetic position to take. But it's a position that has political risks because of how many things can spin. How do you intend to make that case, which is the correct case based on any human standard? Right. How do you make that not be demagogued into the first person let out that commits a crime? There is never going to be a perfect system. The the, the district attorneys that work there every day make a hundred decisions at a minimum per day that affect numerous people's lives, not just that next week of their lives, the rest of their lives. No person ever gets it right. What you have to be able to do in order to make long-term lasting changes is when mistakes are made, have the courage and the moral fortitude to stand up to the public and tell them we weren't right on this one. We are going to learn from it and continue to go forward. What the current position holder has never done in her political history is stand up and accept responsibility for a single decision made. If it is the wrong decision, she will run out her people to spin it and try to blame someone else. 
The only time you see her is when she's taking credit for other people's work. And so my my job, as I see it, would to be to stand up and talk to the public and be transparent about the decision process we made for each one of those and let them know that we are we're human and we're a work in progress. A quick editorial. Anybody who just wants to lock people up without bond, forget that that simply means that a rich person, irrespective of their mental state or otherwise, has the right to go out there and kill again. But the poor person doesn't have that right to, even if they're a good person that was accidentally charged, to do otherwise. Anybody who says otherwise is inhumane. On the other subject that I'd like to uh, cover, um, Sean, is... Uh, traffic stops, etc. cetera. Uh, yep. We have where things like stickers and left turns, uh, simple things that a police officer's time is not worth it based on their pay, based on other crimes that they could have been solving should be, should be taken care of. Uh, would you attempt to institute uh, certain, uh, certain policies that says, look, uh, these things, if you see a car with a bad sticker, get the license plate and send them something in the mail. If somebody makes a left turn and you have it on your camera, get the license plate and throw it in the mail, as opposed to spending the time that an office with a an officer's body doing these things. These are innovative things that can actually change a society and make a society safer. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that it is a much larger conversation than just that. I think that we need huge real reform in possession of narcotics charges the fact that in texas you're talking about making people felons for small amounts of narcotics leads to those types of stops leads to these types of interactions with the public that that always end in someone being either transported to jail or being in a physical violent confrontation with law enforcement it erodes the trust that the public has in law enforcement and everything else that we all talk about all the time. So what I what I want to do in a very large global scale is sit down with the heads of the departments and with the police unions and talk through the ways that we can minimize the negative interaction that law enforcement has with the general public. And, and let's be quite open and honest about this. The negative interactions they have are way skewed toward interactions with black and brown people and lower socioeconomic people. You don't see a lot of stickers stops and left turn stops in River Oaks and car searches. What you do see is the Acres Homes and the Third Ward stops and things of that nature. And it leads to distrust and bad outcomes. And so I, I want to have a global conversation. We have 92 different law enforcement agencies in Harris County. We've got to communicate with all of them and know they they need to know that there's an open door at the DA's office for us to have collaborative talks to do just what you spoke about and many more things that can minimize the negative interactions with law enforcement and let those few law enforcement officers that we have go out and truly protect the citizens. You know, the magical thing that you've just said there was collaborative talks. As the DA, you you are the one who enforces the laws with the judge, the jury, and the cops are the ones who bring things into the, into the system. So it is a collaboration. Uh, we also know that, uh, I, I'm glad you brought up the narcotics issue. Uh, 
because, um, you know, I live in Kingwood, Texas. There are a whole lot of uh, folks driving around in cars here popping pills. Uh, no right. different than than some of the uh, no different than crack or other other things. Nobody here gets a record. A kid in South Park, a kid in Studio Wood, they right. uh, they 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 find with a little bit of crack or a little bit of whatever in their cars, and their entire lives change forever. And then society asks, how could that happen? Those degenerates down there. Well, my friend, <laughs> a lot of folks are doing a lot of things. Yep. and just haven't been caught or nobody looked at attempting to catch them. A good DA is necessary to be able to be, uh, to make the right calls. So uh, I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, let, let's, let's, let's go back a little bit about bails because mm -hmm. I see, and, and you don't, you don't have to commit yourself here on this issue, but I, I generally see the way the bail system work as a whole bunch of parasites that take advantage of the, the least of us yep. okay and i also see that you know it, it, it i find it amazing that those people who complain when somebody get caught who have been released on bail are the same people who want to keep a great bail system that keeps these people flushed with cash right your thoughts on that i i i, I submit i released a statement last week i believe almost saying that exact thing that I will, I have committed to not accept a dime from the bail bonds industry. They have for generations made money off the backs of poor and black and brown people who can't afford the bond that someone else can pay outright. They've got to pay 10% that's non-refundable and have these people not worry a, a bit about it and just take their 10% and then you get out. And it's, it, it's it's just it's so close to the indentured servitude of the 1600s. It's so close to, you know, just the the debtors prisons that we had in England. The, the reason one of the reasons this country was founded was because of things like this. And we're still going down the status quo. And I, I will commit to you right now that I will be in Austin testifying at every hearing that we can possibly testify to, to move Texas's bail bonds closer to the federal system, which is still not perfect, but it's certainly better than what we have here. And I want to get eventually to, I don't care how much money you have. I want someone to determine whether or not the person is a danger or a flight risk. If they are, they stay in jail. If they are, but it can be mitigated through pre-trial conditions like a GPS monitor, like an ignition interlock for DWIs, like any of the other bond conditions that we could set, then I don't care how much money you have. Go get out of the jail until it's time for your day in court. You know, I, I told a few activists that I was going to be speaking to you and they said, Egberto, there's one thing that he needs to, that you need to ask him. And that is a, a, about how many of the police officers or dealing with activists, but specifically uh, progressive activists uh, in in the Houston in the in Harris County, uh, they they see a much different approach to the things that they are that they care for, the things that they know needs to be done around the county. How are you going to uh, react to uh, many times uh, bad calls by officers 
with these particular activists? Well, one thing that, and this is going to be a relatively long answer, but one thing that, that was designed and, and created here in Harris County, the very first one in the, in the country, was a 24-hour intake system. So in Harris County, since the 70s, no officer can arrest anyone without calling and speaking to a district attorney and getting a name and having that assistant district attorney say yes or no to a charge. What has happened in the last six years under this current administration is that there's been a whole overhaul of intake. So you no longer have experienced good prosecutors working that job. That's going to change with me. And what is going to change additionally is those good and experienced prosecutors are going to understand because the only ones I'm going to bring in and train are people that, that think like me. They are going to be able to determine that whatever interaction is had either didn't or did rise to the level of a crime. But that's not where you have to stop, right? Then you have to say, is this the right thing to do? Because in everything that a prosecutor does, is it the right thing? So that is going to be something that if and when it does happen, I think the George Floyd protests are a, a very good example of some negative. Now, we weren't anywhere near as bad as some communities. Yes, in absolutely. Yes. But there was some negative interaction. And so we've got to take into account all of those things. And my people and I will be doing that. And and I think secondarily, it is going to speak to the police, going to roll calls, going and informing them, here's my expectation as the top law enforcement official. I know your job and how difficult it is, but here's my expectation. And again, being collaborative and transparent in what I expect and what charges will and won't be accepted are going to reduce those kind of interactions for the activists who, I, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear, I believe in so much of what they're doing and I want to protect them and give them the, the First Amendment rights that have created what we have today. So if I can alleviate any of their fears today, I want to, but I also, it's, it's, a, pro, it's a process and one that I am committed to doing. Well, uh, Sean, look, I appreciate your time. It, it, it's about that time now. Uh, I ask one question at the end of every conversation. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? <laughs> that is the best reporter question ever. Um, just that I, I truly want the public to be aware of what's going on in that office and, and the way that that office could and should be. We have a commissioner's court that is that, that's incredible. I mean, the the strength of Judge Hidalgo, that that what she's going through right now and her ability to be transparent with that. Commissioner Garcia, Commissioner Ellis, Commissioner Briones, we have such a great nucleus of leadership there. The district court judges in the criminal side and the civil side, the county judges, we've got the apparatus right now to be the, the shining example of what progressive, empathetic government could and should look like. We just have one rogue agent. And if we can remove her, then we can go forward doing what this county and this population truly want, which is to be the best in the country. 
Sean Terry, candidate for District Attorney of Harris County. Thank you so kindly for uh, this interview. Good luck in your work. And, and to end, I want to say something. The district attorney is one of the most powerful positions in the county. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. We have to make sure that whoever, whomever is elected isn't one in which uh, hold vendettas or anything of that sort, one who really cares about the people and one who understands that uh, not because a law says a particular thing does it always have to do specifically on any particular case something. Thank you so kindly for the interview. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.